0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, man, a lot of great stuff happening at the FC Marriage Conference coming up. I hope you guys are registering for that. It's going to be an incredible weekend. Resolution reset. Uh, Dr. Jake Parrish, one of our elders, is going to lead that uh, on that night, building your health, nutritional plan, weight loss plan, a detox plan, all kinds of great stuff there to get the new year kicked off right. We thought the end of January would be a great time to do a resolution reset because we start them. Um, last for a couple of weeks, probably over by the fourth week of January, we're ready for that reset, right? Well, uh, that's really what this series has kind of been about to help that not to happen. Uh, we're in a series entitled Start Here, and so this is uh, week three. I, I started the series by saying where you finish in life isn't determined by where you start. It's actually determined by whether or not you actually get started and so it's important for us that we get started towards the goals and the direction that God wants us to take today. And so part of that journey started last week. We, we began a 21-day fast, so this is day eight. And so uh, some of you fasted from food, some of you fasted from TV or maybe social media, I'm hearing a lot of good stories about what God is doing uh, because of that fast. We're all reading the Bible plan that we've provided online. If you haven't downloaded that, you're not following it, you can jump in today. Just go to foothillschurch.com start here. You can begin uh, reading and uh, making this commitment. The idea for us is that we're going to create some space in our life to connect to Jesus, to hear from Jesus, so that we can begin to identify the one area in our life that he's calling us to work on the one area in our life that he's calling us to change. And and we don't need to create 20 different goals and 20 different spiritual goals today. We need to really focus on the one main area that God is calling us to uh, achieve today. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter 7. I don't know about you, but... I can get really excited about ideas, uh, about improving myself, uh, the idea of, of, you know, creating a health plan or uh, the idea of working out more, whatever the, whatever the thing is that I'm trying to get going, the idea for me is exciting and I get excited about the plan and, and excited about the potential, but the reality for, for me is, and, and this is the reality and truth for all of us, like an idea is, is really a fantasy, until you actually create a plan to accomplish it. It's really just a fantasy. You know, and so today we wanna spend some time talking about uh, the secret to actually accomplishing your plan, to actually accomplishing your goals today. So the title of the message is Plan It. You and I have to create a plan to reach the goals, to reach the spiritual maturity that Christ wants us to experience. Think about it. What would it look like this year if instead of failing on your goals, instead of not fulfilling what you want to accomplish and know you need to accomplish, you actually did the things that you know you need to do? You actually accomplished them. Well, There's a secret to actually accomplishing your plan. And that's what we wanna talk about today. And it really kinda starts with thinking about your habits. And so I want you to think about your habits for a second. Maybe you've got some good habits, maybe you've got some bad habits, I don't know, but think about them today. What did you do when you woke up this morning? First thing you did when you popped out of bed, did you get a cup of coffee? Did you hit the snooze button? Did you brush your teeth, use the bathroom, take a shower? What did you do first? Did you do it all in the shower? I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> did, you, did you read your Bible? What, what, what were some of those steps? What are some of those natural things that you just did? You didn't even have to think about it. When you came to church today, what route did you take? Did you take the same route you take every single week? When you leave here today, where are you going to eat? What, what's that meal going to look like? you go to the same place? Do you go home? Do you eat around the table when you eat, or do you sit around the TV when you eat? When your kids go to bed at night, do you, do you pray with them? Do you talk to them? What, what does that routine look like? You see, when we begin to think about our habits, we begin to think about some of the activities that are taking place in our life. Most of the choices we make are determined by the habits that you and I have developed. In the power of habits written by Charles Duhigg, He says each habit means relatively nothing on its own. But over time, the meals that we order, what we say to our kids each night, whether we spend or whether we save, how often we exercise, and the way that we organize our thoughts and work routines have enormous impacts on our health, productivity, financial security, and our happiness. Duke University in 2006 found that 40% of our actions are not performed by actual decisions, but in fact are made because of our habits. At one point, we all consciously began to think about what we wanted to do in the morning, what we were going to eat for lunch or breakfast. We started to think about what we needed to do when we first got to work. But then somewhere along the time, we didn't have to think about it any longer. We stopped making the choice, and our behavior began to become automatic, and it began a habit. Some of you, let's think of some examples. Some of you have the habit of reading your Bible every day. And so the first thing that you do every day is you wake up. Maybe you go get that cup of coffee. You immediately go to your desk or your table or your bed, wherever that location is, You find your Bible there, you open it up, and you read because you're reading through whatever. You read the Word of God. It happens every single day. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to talk yourself into it. It just happens. Some of us, uh, when we go to work, we go the same route every day. I know I do. Maybe you listen to the same podcast every day or the same radio station every day, and you just drive you don't have to think, oh, yeah, I got to turn up here, you know, in a mile. You just drive, and it just kind of automatically, your brain just shuts down, and you're just zoned out, and you just drive. And, and you know this happens if, if, if this has happened to you. You've, you've been driving somewhere. You're going out somewhere else. You're not going to work, but you start driving, and then you take a turn towards work, and your wife goes, where are you going, right? And You're like, oh, sorry, I was thinking I was going to work. How many has that ever happened to you? Like you're just driving and you end up going somewhere and you wake up out of that fog. You're like, what am I, where am I at? What am I doing? And that's the power of habit in our life. Charles Duhigg writes that the habits that we establish are formed out of a basic pattern. And he calls it the habit loop. And if you've read this book, you're familiar with this. But I think we have a graphic to show. The habit loop looks like this. First of all, there's a cue And the cue is what reminds your brain about this habit. The next is the actual routine. And the routine is essentially whatever that habit is, whatever the action is. And then thirdly, there's the reward. The reward is is what you experience that is pleasing to your brain, that is pleasing to your body. Whatever that reward is happens. And it's essential because it's that reward that takes place that continues that craving and continues the habit loop To go around. So let me give you another example of a habit. Some of you, some of us, have the habit of looking at social media. And so the habit of of looking at and, and scrolling through Instagram or Facebook is just part of your everyday routine. So, what is the cue? to look at your phone, to look at social media. Well, it's probably the notification from Facebook or, or Instagram, or, or maybe for you it's just simply noticing your phone is there. Boom, there's the cue. And then the, the habit or the routine is you pick up your phone, and then you dial up Instagram. You start scrolling through Facebook. And before you know it, several minutes have, have passed. But as you are looking, what you see are those glorious little hearts. That means that somebody likes you and they like what you've done. You know, that feeling when that heart count starts to go up and you break whatever your record is. You know what happens every time you notice the heart count uh, or the likes on your social media? There's a chemical called dopamine that's in your brain and it gives us the sensation of pleasure. And so every time we see those hearts, those likes, those comments that are encouraging, a drop of dopamine hits our brain, giving us the sensation of pleasure. Now, what happens when a a drop of dopamine hits your brain and that sensation takes place 20, 25, 30 times a day? Well, eventually your brain starts craving that sensation, And it starts driving that focus towards, I need to look at Instagram. And the next thing you know, that craving for that sensation has driven you not just into a desire, but now it's not just a habit. Now it's an addiction. And you are actually addicted to the sensation that that chemical gives to you, provided by simply looking at social media. Now, we blow that off in our culture we kind of chuckle about it. <laughs> I'm addicted to it. I know. You know, happens. Now, if you talk about an addiction to pornography, addiction to alcohol, drugs, oh, not me. But here's the reality. Anything that you are addicted to is, is, is showing you that you have replaced Jesus from taking the throne of your heart. And you have, in fact, given something else control of your actions and your desires. The Bible calls that idolatry. And like on the top 10 list of all sins, it's going to be number one. And so do we have some issues in our culture with, with, with what we're addicted to? Absolutely. You see, we take a good thing. Social media can be a good thing. But just like everything, we can take a good thing and we can make it an ultimate thing and it replaces our love for Jesus and it takes our life in a direction that is far from the direction that God would have us to live in our life. But here's the good news. The good news is that you can create new habits. The good news is that you can actually quit bad habits. They can actually change. But it's important for us to understand what it takes to kick those bad habits and create new habits. And so we want to understand what is going to take place in order for us to reach that. Well, here's the first thing I want you to write down. Small habits lead to big results. Small habits lead to big results. Here's a big result. Godly marriage. Many of you in here want that. But a godly marriage doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen over 12 months. It happens over the course of a couple diving into a lot of really small habits that lead to really good conversations and really good activities that lead to the big result of a godly marriage. I hope that you want to have a close walk with Jesus. That's not going to happen overnight. That's a big result. But in order to get that close walk with Jesus, it's going to require a lot of small habits that seemingly don't seem important or connected. But over time, these small habits, compounded over time, all put together, lead to the big result of being close to Jesus. Things like attending church regularly, being in a small group, reading the Word of God regularly, developing a prayer life. These are things that you've heard before, but because you've never developed them into your life, the big result of really living your life for Jesus has never really happened. Secondly, small habits require discipline. Small habits require discipline. You've got to have discipline in order to follow through with your plan. See, I can plan all day long. I can, I can dream of a goal, and I can plan All year, that's one of my gifts. And and, and I get excited about the dream, I get excited about the goal, and I can write down my plan, and I can have a goal every day, and then I can have a weekly goal, and then that weekly goal, and that that daily goal helps point me to my monthly goal, and that monthly goal points me to my yearly goal, and that yearly goal points me to my five-year plan. I can do it all day. But here's the reality. Some of you can probably plan it. You thought, I'm gonna eat well, and so I'm gonna... Buy different food. I'm going to go on a different plan. I'm going to create this plan. But what happened? No self-discipline. Monday, you did great. Tuesday was awesome. Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, the momentum was building. And then Friday, it was really busy. Your kids had a game. You ran here. You ran there. And before you know it, the golden arches were calling your name again. And you were in the drive-thru ordering that Big Mac, supersizing that bad boy. And then you lost momentum, and you were depressed on Monday, and you threw up your hands, and you said, I knew I couldn't do it. Why? Self-discipline. Self-discipline is really our issue. If you, if you want to truly accomplish the goal, if you truly want to take care of the plan that, that you create this year, it's going to take self-discipline. So here's the big idea today. The big idea is this. Discipline is simply choosing between what we want now and what we want most. Discipline is simply choosing between what I want now and what I want most. I want the Big Mac, I want the fries, I want the milkshake, but what I want more is a healthy lifestyle, a healthy body, a, a, a healthy, you know, when I'm, when I'm 60, 70 plus, right, I want to be able to run and gun with my kids as they get older. That's what I want most. So even though I know what I want now, I'm allowing my desire for what I want most to overcome what I want now. Does that make sense? That's, that's all discipline is. That's all it really boils down to. So here's the reality. What, what's, what, what are we looking at here? Well, what do you need to do to become self-disciplined and create habits that actually stick? Well, let's look at the Bible because the Bible has a lot of great answers for us. And I not only struggle with self-discipline, and, and, and it's not just you that struggles with self-discipline, but I would say the greatest Christian thinker and leader of the entire history of the world struggled with self-discipline. And so that's encouraging for me. And we're going to read about it here in Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. Here we go. Here's what he says. He says, "...for I do not understand my own actions." Anybody just want to say an amen? Are you guys with me today? Golly. I don't understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. I mean, if this isn't the most like punch you in the face verse in January of 2019, I don't know what could be. Right? Paul is simply saying, I want to do what is right, but I don't. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to eat the fruit, but Krispy Kreme keeps calling my name. Let's keep going. Verse 16, he says, Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not, listen to this, circle this in your Bible, but not the ability to carry it out. Let me just make a few comments here. Leave your Bibles open. The Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. Listen to me. You don't have the ability on your own to live the life that Jesus wants you to live. You don't have the ability on your own to accomplish anything spiritual in your life. The battle between the spirit and sin doesn't stop when you give your life to Jesus. If if you're a a fairly new Christian, maybe you thought when I give my life to Jesus, things are going to get easier. I, I, I hate to report this to you, but at the moment of conversion, the war actually begins. And so Paul is, is talking about this nature that is within him. It's the sin nature that even though Christ forgives us of our sins, that sin nature still lives within us. And it pulls us away from good. It draws us away from what God wants in our life. So when you say, I'm not a disciplined person, what you're stating is you're struggling with sin in your life. And that's what Paul is saying. He's simply saying, I'm struggling with sin in my life. I know what I need to do. I even have a desire to do these good things, but I keep doing the things that I I don't want to do. This is the battle. I've got the desire, but not the ability. For some of you, this might be an aha moment. And the aha moment is, is, is the reason why things aren't changing in your marriage, the reason why things aren't changing financially, The reason why things aren't changing in your health, and your eating habits, is that you have a desire to change, but you don't have the ability to change it, at least not on your own, not in your own strength. And so far, my guess is you're trying to change things in your own strength, in your own energy, in your own wisdom, and in your own knowledge. Let's keep reading verse 19. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Evil's close, folks. You've got a cell phone in your pocket. Evil is close, It is right by your bedside every day. It is in your pocket. It is in your hand all the time. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members, in my flesh, in my body, my spirit, another law waging war against the law of my mind. And making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. There's a war Raging, And where is the war raging? Let me hear it. Where is it? Where is the war? Yes, it's in your mind. It's in your thoughts. The, the, the war is being raged in your thoughts. It's your desire to sin, it's your desire to be selfish, it's your desire to be comfortable, that robs you of the life that God wants you to live. And he's saying that that thought life can make you captive. Captive in our thinking, captive in how our mind thinks, our thought life. If you think you can't wake up and exercise, you won't. If you think you can't be close to Jesus, you won't. If you think your spouse will never change, your spouse will never change. If you think you're going to fail the class, you will. That's the captivity of negative thinking. That's the power of our thought life. And if the enemy can make you doubt yourself, you'll be a slave for the rest of your life. If the enemy can keep you busy and distracted on worldly things, you'll be a slave for the rest of your life. Verse 24, he says, wretched man. He's calling himself a miserable man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of death? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's a good place for an amen. Amen. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He says, I'm a miserable person. Who's going to free me from this life? Who's going to deliver me? And the answer is Jesus Only with Jesus can you change. Only with Jesus can you be different. Only with Jesus can you be self-disciplined and spiritually disciplined. It's by his power I can be transformed. It's by his power I can have the right habits. And by his power that I can have the life that he's called me to live. And so I don't have the strength. And so I know that if I'm not overcoming a bad habit in my life, I know this to be true, it's because I'm doing it in my own power. I'm not doing it in the power and strength of Jesus. I'm doing it in my own power. And here's the, here's the tension. We're never going to be able to solve this battle. We're never gonna be able to resolve this tension in our life. As, as, as long as we are alive, until Jesus returns, you and I are never going to get out of this tension in our life of, here's what I want to do, but, but, I, but I tend to do the wrong thing. That tension is always going to live in our life, and it should be there. In fact, if you're not experiencing that battle, then I would question whether or not you're actually living for Jesus. Because as a follower of Christ, that tension is going to be there within all of us. And so what do we do? Well, number one, if you want to be disciplined, you've got to determine to fight for discipline. You've got to be determined to fight for discipline in your life. It's a battle. It is a war. It is in your mind. It is in your thought life. Some of you have have these negative thoughts in your mind that have taken you captive And they are leading you like a slave away from the direction that God wants you to live. And you have got to fight. You've got to embrace the fight. You've got to learn to overcome the fight. You've got to have the desire to fight. It shouldn't be easy. It shouldn't be comfortable. It's going to be painful. That's why last week when we read the scripture, he says, strain forward, press forward toward the goal. Too many of us quit early in the process one fail and we quit. Listen, it's all right to fail. You have the goal. There are going to be failures, but you you get back on the wagon. You keep fighting. You keep going after it. You keep fighting for it. Tomorrow we celebrate one of our nation's greatest leaders, Martin Luther King Jr. When you think about his life and we think about what he accomplished, you see a man who was self-disciplined in, in so many regards, leading the civil rights movement, in self-discipline, standing up to oppression. One of the stories that I love to read about is the, the day that, that he actually gave the famous speech, that, the I Have a Dream speech. Did you know that he wasn't actually even planning on sharing that? Like he had a completely different speech written And as he's giving this speech, Mahalia Jackson, a gospel singer, sitting uh, closely behind him, said as he was talking, Martin, tell him about the dream. And when he heard Ms. Jackson say, tell him about the dream, he began to go off the script and off the cuff, and he began to start talking about this dream that he had obviously spoken to her about, And I'm sure many others. And now out of his heart, an unplanned message that obviously God had planned for him has become one of the most famous, if not the most famous, speeches of all time in our nation. Here's the reality. Everybody wants to give a speech that changes the world. Everybody would like to give a speech that would be remembered all throughout history. But that moment came because there were a lot of little moments and small habits and self-discipline that he had established in his life that led to a big result. He had determined what he valued most, and he was willing to give up something now in order for him to gain what he valued most. And out of self-discipline, he was able to experience so many great things and so many challenges and And ultimately, it did cost him his life. But I would say that much of his dream has been accomplished. Even though there is much work to do, he paved the way for where we're at today. So step one, you got to determine that you are going to fight. Now, a few verses down in Romans 8. Look at verse 5. Paul goes on. He says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh... But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and what's he say? Peace. Life and peace. So, step one, if we want to be self-disciplined, we've got to set our mind on the spirit. Set your mind on the spirit. Now, what does that mean? Do do I walk around saying, we gotta think about the spirit, gotta think about the spirit, Spirit. gotta think about the spirit. Of course not. Paul elsewhere in the book of Philippians says to think on these things, to, to prioritize our thinking and, and to intentionally think about things that are holy, things that are pure, things that are, that are eternal, things that are good, not of this world. And being active and intentional about how you think is so important and valuable in order for you to be self-disciplined this year. It means you've got to begin to declutter your thought life and begin to take captive what you allow yourself to think about. So instead of thinking about how you are failing, you think about how it's going to feel when you reach your goal. Instead of thinking about all the roadblocks today that are preventing you from being successful, think about the one thing you're going to do to bust through that roadblock today. Instead of thinking about how much you want to watch TV and what's going on this afternoon and what the latest Netflix show has just been you know, released, instead of thinking about that, you begin to think about how much you need the Word of God. You think about how it's going to bless you and change your life. And instead of thinking about all the things that could go wrong, oh, this could go wrong and that could go wrong and that could go wrong, instead of thinking about that, you start thinking about the one thing in your life that is going right. That helps us begin to establish the attitude of gratitude in our life. We've got to take control and set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And what happens when you begin to set your mind on the things of the Spirit? Life. Peace. You know what? No matter what counseling session or whatever question, you know, I'm dealing with in somebody's life, you know, ultimately what they're struggling with, it it all comes down to peace. They want peace in their relationships. They want peace at work. They don't want tension. They don't want problems, you know, in their marriage or, or, or as a parent. Nobody wants any of that. We want peace. But how do we accomplish peace? How do we experience peace in our life? And he says we have to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And when we begin to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, we begin to experience peace and we begin to experience life. But the opposite of that is if we begin to set our mind on the things of the flesh, it leads to death, death in our relationships, death in our thought life, our our finances begin to die, everything around us becomes corrupted. The reason why some of us are not growing today, the reason why some of us are not disciplined is because we're thinking about the wrong things. We're thinking about advancing our career instead of advancing the kingdom. We're thinking about how good we need to look instead of how good can I make other people feel. Some of you have been trying for years, praying that God would begin to set you free today. That today would be a brand new, something that would just click in your brain and in your spirit. You're never going to be self-disciplined because every single one of us is bent towards sin But by the power of the Spirit taking over us, the very same Spirit that raised Christ from the grave can live within you and give you the spiritual discipline and the spiritual power to overcome this body of death and sin that is in our life. Thank God, through Jesus, this year can be different. Can you get an amen for that? It can be different. Your marriage can be different through Jesus. Your faith can be different through Jesus. Your health, no matter what situation you are facing today, change can and should take place. But it will never take place in your own strength and power. It will only be accomplished if you press into Jesus and through his power seek to take your your thoughts captive and set your mind on Spirit. Now, at this point, a lot of people um, kind of shrug their shoulders at me because they say, You're a pastor. Obviously, self discipline is easy for you because you're a pastor. (laughs) I just want to shake my head like I'm some superhuman. Um, Can I tell you that I am not a self disciplined person? I like to hit snooze just like the next guy. I love junk food. I don't particularly like working out. Um, When my kids fight, Uh, I know I should step in and do something, but I'd rather just say, go to your room and fight and don't come out unless there's blood. I don't want to mess with it. Just get away. I want peace. I want quiet. You know, that's my tendency. I'm not naturally a self-disciplined person either. But by the power of Jesus Christ, through him I can become self-disciplined. Through him I can choose what matters most instead of just doing what I want now. And we've got to begin to determine what we value most so that we can begin to make the decisions today that will lead us to the desired future and outcome that we want. Now, lastly, last thing here, we'll wrap it up. 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises what? Oh, man, that was weak. Every athlete exercises what? Thank you. Uh, self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I what? Discipline Discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself could be disqualified. What does he say here? He says to run for the prize. Live your life for the prize. Run towards the prize, but the prize is not the praise of man. The prize is not feeling better about your body. The prize is not self confidence. The prize is not even a healthier life. That prize is way too small. Enlarge your vision today. Those little prizes are worthless because the prize is glorifying Jesus, the prize is knowing Jesus. The prize is understanding that you are in a relationship with him. The prize is the blessing of Jesus that he gives to you. The prize is the relationship of being with Jesus. That is the prize. Knowing him. Knowing that you are pleasing him. And knowing that one day you will stand before him. And... By prayer and by his grace, he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's happiness. That's the prize. Your self-confidence, not the prize. Feeling better about yourself, that's not what you're after. Getting a girlfriend, not going to work. Nothing, we said it last week, nothing that you receive that you think is the prize will ever give you the peace and the life that you want. Nothing apart from Jesus. He makes everything better. And apart from him, nothing is better. In the Corinthian world at this time, they the the Olympics were a big thing, but the second most popular games was called the Ithmion. and it was uh, Ithmion. and so it was a, it was similar. They would train for ten months. They were very rigorous in their diet. Uh, all the Corinthian uh, Christians would have would have really connected with the idea of the race because they loved games and and the, and the whole race idea uh, uh, would have definitely dialed into this mentality of, of running and, and, and winning the prize, just like it does for us. They were so dedicated in this race that when the race they actually came, the runners would, would strip their clothes off and run naked because they didn't want their clothes to like hinder them from running. <laughs> Praise God, we're not doing that race anymore, right? <clears throat> so Paul says, run for the prize. You know what the prize was for the runners of the Ifbeon? beyond? bunch of leaves (laughs) formed in a little ring that they put on their head. (laughs) A wreath of leaves. We laugh at that, don't we? Maybe the praise of man was part of the prize as well. We laugh at that. We can scoff at that. But we run after so many things that are similar in in their smallness, right, and their value, we can run after the praise of man. We can run after a little bit more money. We can run after a car. We can run after a bigger house. We run after all kinds of little things that, that, that never give us the, the fulfillment and meaning that we want to experience. But as I said, we will stand before the living God in front of his throne. And if today we are determined to be self-disciplined, then we will begin to glorify him in everything that we do. Our goal and our prize is to make him known We're not just self discipline. We've got a secret weapon, and that secret weapon is Jesus. He is living within us, helping us overcome sin, overcome temptation. When we fail, He gives us the strength to get back up, get back on that horse, and start riding again. In verse 26, He says, We're not shadow boxing here. Let me remind you, we're not like punching in the air. We have a, a, a real enemy, not a pretend enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And so he says, we're we're not shadow boxing. We don't have a pretend enemy. He's real. There's a real battle. And so verse 27, he says, so I discipline my body. I'm training it to do what I know it should do. My body wants to do one thing. My mind wants to do one thing. My mind wants to hit the snooze button and stay under the covers. But the Spirit of God gives us the strength to do what our bodies do not want to do. He disciplines us. And when you get this, you begin to say, I'm I'm choosing what I want most over what I want now. I'm choosing what I want most over what I want now. I'm saying no to this food because I want a healthier body. I'm saying no to this financial temptation because I want to get out of debt and honor God with my money. I'm saying no. I'm saying yes to love my wife as Christ loves the church. I'm raising my children to become next generation world changers. I'm saying yes, I'm running with purpose. So here's the question. If you want to actually not only create the plan, begin to accomplish the plan and become self disciplined, establishing those habits that are going to lead to the ultimate desires and behaviors that you want, here's the question you need to answer today answer it with your spouse, answer it with your kids, answer it alone with the Lord, answer it with your small group tonight, perhaps. What do you need to do now to have what you want most? What do you need to do now to have what you want most? What one discipline are you going to add to your life this year? What one behavior are you going to create in order to get the, the, the prize of glorifying God? Maybe it's getting shape. So if it's getting shape, maybe the, the action step is to get a personal trainer and now you've got some accountability, you've got to show up, you're invested a little bit financially. Maybe it's reading your Bible, and so you're going to pick up a Bible reading plan and get a couple of friends, and you're going to, you're going to read it together. Maybe it's to get into a small group so that you can be challenged and grow. Maybe it's in the area of your finances, you've got to stop hem-hawing around with, with how you spend your money and decide, I'm, I'm going to get, get my life straight, I've got to get my act together. Maybe you go home and and you wipe everything out of your pantry, get rid of the Twinkies and the chips, and you say, look, we're just not going to buy it anymore. Maybe it's establishing a healthy marriage, and so you've got to do one thing, which is maybe it's a date night once a month where it's just you and your wife. Maybe the first step is to come to our marriage conference to really kick off what in the world are we going to do to get on the same page. And that marriage conference, I, I, I guarantee, if you open your heart, it'll change your life. Maybe it's a device that's in your life that, that is leading you to some dark places. Maybe it's more than just social media. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's even darker. And maybe you've got to wipe out your cell phone. You've got to wipe out your computer. You've got to begin to take away all those temptations so that you know you don't have easy access anymore. What one thing do you got to do Well, one thing, you got to determine to fight for discipline. Set your mind on the Spirit. Run for the prize. So when God gives you that, here's what we want to do, because we want you to go public. We want you to go public with this commitment. And so in the lobby, in the start here, uh, lobby space, we want you to take that sign, take a picture of it. Go home put it up on social media or just share it with your family and fill in the blank. What's the one area? Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's trust. Maybe it's joy that God is calling you to focus on. Maybe it's one habit. Read the Bible. Maybe it's one one activity, date night. Whatever it is, you focus on that one thing and watch and see how God establishes discipline in your life and changes your life. Let's pray together. I realize in this room that there might be some people who really resonated with the fact that they are living in their own power. And the reality for you is you have never given your life to Jesus. If that's you today, it's time to start here. It's time to start now. you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. Make it your prayer and tell it to Jesus today. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose on the third day. Lord, I ask you to come into my life, forgive me, change me. I can't do this alone. Give me your spirit, give me your power to live a life that glorifies you. How many of you would say just by lifting up your hands and Slipping them up and slipping them down. I prayed that prayer today and I meant it. How many in the room? Just say, I prayed that prayer. I see one. Anybody else? Two. Ma'am, thank you. Anyone else? I prayed that prayer. Thank you. I saw a few hands. Here's what I want you guys to do. As you walk out these back doors, there's a room called the Karen Prayer Room in the atrium. Would you go in that room and tell them the prayer that you just just committed to the Lord? They're going to give you a high five. They're going to smile. They're going to encourage you. It'll take just a few minutes. We want you to know there is a way that you can take that decision and experience Christ in a fuller way. We want to give you some steps and help you. Father, thank you for being present in this room, serving us, loving us. Let this year be different, God, because we're not going to do it in our power. We're going to do it in your power. We're going to do it in your strength, not our own strength. We're going to be willing to fight. We're going to set our mind on the Spirit. And we're going to run for the prize, the ultimate prize. And that prize is you, God. Help us to value it and see it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing today. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.